content moderation is one of the most costly activities and departments in today's digital platforms. The investment volumes in content moderation are pretty staggering. In the case of marketplace platforms with listings, that can reach more than a couple hundreds of millions of dollars each year. There are news of social media platforms, for example, that spent more than $15 billion to fight fake news since 2016. It is usual that bad actors fake their identity when opening an account in these platforms if they want to post fake content and fake listings in the case of marketplaces and social media. So I keep wondering why digital platforms and trust and safety teams keep focusing most of their resources and time in fighting bad content instead of fighting and blocking the bad actors, right? They need to do it at the identity level, not at the account level or content level. Because what happens is if the bad actor gets blocked or if their content gets removed, they'll keep doing it because they'll be able to open a new account. They will be able to post new content that is also bad, right? So if you don't attack this problem on the identity level at the layer in which you identify that individual in the real world and associate that individual to multiple accounts, you're basically playing a game of whack-a-mole. So it's not very effective. You're going to spend a lot of money, but in the end of the day, these bad actors will come back to your platform and circumvent your ban efforts, for example. So stopping bad actors would nip the evil in the bud and save millions of dollars in content moderation. So me and some Incognito team members were discussing this topic the other day, and I got some of the most interesting questions to respond and comment on today's Trust and Safety Mavericks. I hope you like it. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Andre Faras, co-founder and CEO at Incognito. Welcome to Trust and Safety Mavericks, a show focused on topics related to online trust and safety and riding the next big wave. Welcome. First question here is, what do I think makes some trust and safety processes so resource intensive and, and expensive for companies? I would say that the reason why like most of these trust and safety processes are, are so expensive is that they're too focused on the content layer and not much on the identity layer. And what do I mean by that? Most of the trust and safety uh, teams and, and professionals and tools are aimed towards identifying the bad content, right? Removing that content from the platform and eventually banning that user either temporarily or forever. The challenge though is that given that the experience to create an account on one of these platforms is so easy, right? It usually requires only for you to have an email address or phone number, it doesn't stop the problem, right? Because then if the user gets banned, right, the user will uh, very quickly either create a new email or buy a burner phone, a, a phone number that is very easy to acquire on the web, right? And then by doing that, they're able to create a new account, right? So that's all 
you really need in order to create a new account on a platform like that. In many cases, these platforms don't even check, for example, the device to see if the device was used in previous situations in which someone published, for example, offensive content and they got banned because of that. Usually they don't even check these kind of basic things. And they're very far from checking more sophisticated signals like location, for example, to understand like if multiple accounts are linked to the same place so that they could eventually identify that as suspicious and, and flag these accounts before they publish any negative thing on the platform. So I think they're playing a, a game of whack-a-mole here. They're removing this content. They're removing these bad actors. They're coming back very quickly and doing it over and over again. So until these companies realize that they have to attack not only the content layer, which is something they should keep doing, they also need to focus on the identity, trying to like identify that individual that is publishing that content so they cannot come back to the platform, right? Either by creating a new account using fake IDs or accessing someone else's account using like social engineering to take over a legitimate user's account, right? If they don't focus on the identity piece, they'll keep increasing spending on this type of initiative because they won't attack the root problem, which is that individual that is publishing the back content on the platform. My strong recommendation here is around leveraging device and location information, because by doing that, we're talking about two types of data points that give you a lot of certainty, right? So if a device that was used by a bad actor in the past is now being used to create a new account, that's highly suspicious. And there are ways to accurately identify a device, but it should go beyond, for example, just identifying a, an IP address, right? Most trust and safety teams focus a lot on that type of thing, but it's very easy for the bad actor to hide or spoof their IP address using proxies or VPNs, for example, so they could circumvent these protections, right? So that's number one. The second thing around the data is on location, right? And, and with location, you can identify the bad actor, even if they change devices, right? If they buy a new phone because that device was flagged and they get a new one to be able to go back to the platform, location is able to tie these multiple devices together because the behavior is very similar, right? So if we, we see like multiple devices in the same location, all trying to do the same thing, we can block not only those devices, but we could block that location. The tricky part though, is that not every location technology is made equal. So you have, for example, IP-based geolocation. It doesn't work for this because it's, it's too broad. The accuracy is not good. So you would block an entire city if you want to use that type of solution to prevent bad access from joining your platform. If you're using GPS data, that's much better than IP addresses. But the problem is that it's very easy for bad actors to spoof their location information using GPS. You can just download on the App Store a fake GPS app and anyone has access to it to spoof GPS information. So you cannot rely on GPS data. The other problem with GPS data is also that the accuracy is not good enough, right? So let's imagine that there is a bad actor in a, in a high-rise building in New York City, right? If that person was publishing bad content and you want to block their location, if you were using GPS, you were going to block the entire building, right? So you might block hundreds of people that have nothing to do with that activity just because they happen to live nearby that bad actor, right? 
So you want to be able to pinpoint the user's location down to the apartment level, for example. So you block only that bad actor, but all of his neighbors, for example, are still able to access the service and publish content on the platform. So being able to very precisely identify the location down to the apartment level is critical here if you want to explore the identity layer. Moving forward here with the third question, which is why is it so difficult with current technologies most companies use to prevent bad actors from creating new accounts after already being banned from platforms and other accounts? Well, my take on this one is that most platforms, they are relying on account creation processes that are very simple. And there is a good reason for that, which is not creating a lot of friction for consumers. And the more stringent identity verification methods that are usually used in the financial services industry, for example, this create too much friction for the user. So these platforms cannot rely on things like traditional KYC processes that banks use to verify identity. So they need something in the middle, right? They need something that is very good from a user experience standpoint that doesn't create a lot of friction for users, but also very strong from a, a security standpoint that delivers a performance that's similar to what the financial services industry rely on, right? So what is here in the middle between like full KYC and the account opening processes that these companies offer? My take is that really here in the middle are alternative methods for identity affirmation using signals and data analytics to, to understand that individual, right? So when I talk about signals, I'm referring primarily to two things. The first one is around device and being able to identify the device that is being used by that person. Because a mobile device, for example, it's a very personal thing, right? It's rare to see people who share the same mobile device, right? So all of your personal stuff is right there. It's a very personal device. If we're able to identify that this device that is creating a new account was previously used to create or manage an account that was banned from your platform, that's a very strong indicator that this new account might be intending to publish bad content on your platform, right? So you can at least flag it so you can monitor the behavior of that account and eventually if something bad happens, you block it or you could block it right away, right? So device identification is, is very important and should be leveraged for this type of thing. Second signal here is location for the same reason, right? You, you can link the accounts to the same location. You can link the different devices to the same location to identify the same individual, right? So by combining these two signals, device and location, you're able to have a much better identity affirmation process in the beginning of the user journey when we're creating an account without adding the friction that full KYC would add, but also doing a much better job on identifying that individual other than only checking for their email address or phone number, which are things that are very easy to recycle, create fake versions of it, and even like buy these identities online, right? So I think right here, we have the opportunity to improve the ability of these companies to identify these suspicious accounts. One other thing that is also important to mention is the ability to detect bots. You can do that by identifying the device and the location information. 
But in case you don't have these two capabilities, in case you don't use a strong device ID and also you don't leverage location signals for identity affirmation purposes, having a good bot detection technology is, is a good way to mitigate risk as well. It's not going to be as good as device and location verification, but it's already going to increase your performance significantly. Bot attacks can happen in many different ways. The most common would be when you you can create a script on your device. It could be like on, on the laptop or your mobile device that could, for example, run multiple instances of the same application on that device. So you, you can use like app tempering tools and, and app cloning tools to do this. And then the script would, for example, be used to create multiple accounts using fake emails and, and things like that, right? So that's one way to do that. If you do that on a physical device, by leveraging device verification and location verification, for example, you would identify that and, and you would be able to block these accounts being opened by a bot. The other way to do it is by using emulators or virtual machines as well. So you're basically creating a virtual device that can run, again, multiple instances of it and then each of these virtual devices could, or emulated devices could be used to create an account each, right? So in regards to this type of problem, you want to be using something that identifies, for example, the use of emulators or rooted devices and, and things like that, which would be a stronger indication that something weird is going on and that device is not real, right? So that's a different way to mitigate bot attacks. There are even like, bot attacks that run on the cloud, right? So you, you can run like a network of bots using um, cloud services, right? And, and you can scale up this operation significantly. So that's another way of doing it. You can hire, there are like device farms that you can hire as a service, but then these things all go back to, for example, identifying the device, identifying the location. So in the end of the day, if you do a good job identifying the location and the device, you are able to stop bot attacks, but then there are some other specific ways of, of identifying bots by, for example, leveraging things like behavioral biometrics, right? Behavioral biometrics is a way to analyze the behavior that is being presented by that user while creating the account. So for example, if typing speed is not like natural, not human, you can spot that if everything is happening very quickly because it's a machine that's executing it, that's also a strong indicator that it might be a bot activity. But in many cases, this is not really necessary if you, again, have uh, strong capabilities around device and location. The other question here is, do you think location technology could help reduce trust and safety costs in areas besides fraud prevention? Yes, I do. I, I do believe that location can help reduce trust and safety costs significantly in, in multiple areas because with, with location, you're able to basically attack the identity layer. So for example, if you're able to more accurately identify the bad actor, you don't really need to spend money moderating content from that individual, right? Because you would block them right away. So the thing we need to understand is that the vast majority of people are actually good, right? They're, they're not on these platforms to like spread suspicious content and, and to harass people and things like that. 
most people are good. Most people don't have any bad intentions on platforms like this. And then a few people are intended to do these bad things on, on these platforms. And the problem is that this small subset of people, they're producing content at large scale and they're spreading most of the time this content through good users, right? So they're like sharing these posts and commenting and, and, and reacting to this. And once they interact with that content, even if they interact in a negative way, like they didn't like that content, that will be displayed to their entire network, right? So it's, it's very easy for a bad actor to spread bad content, even if it's controversial and people don't like it, the simple fact that people are interacting with it in some way will spread it across the network very quickly, right? So what you really need to focus on is on identifying the bad actor here, because if you do so, and if, if you're able to block this individual, the content will no longer be produced, right? The bad content won't be developed by these people. So location is a good way to identify that bad actor and block them right away. So the content doesn't get created and spread in the first place, right? So that's a very good way to reduce costs when it comes to content moderation, for example, because you are attacking the root cause. You're not just trying to react to the bad content that is being published by users that are already inside your platform, right? You want to prevent them from coming in. If we're able to prevent them from coming in, you'll save a lot of cost on the, the other layers, like the content layer, for example. What are some examples of fraud people could commit by spoofing their location to access specific neighborhoods and what kind of monetary impact does that have? So on a platform, on a location-based marketplace or social media platform, if someone is able to access a region in which they're not located, they can do a series of things. Right? The first one is they could sell services that they will not deliver because they're not there, right? Services and, and goods. So that could be used to scam individuals they would buy that it would never be delivered so that's one thing that that could happen usually these kind of things don't affect the platform directly because the users they have interacted directly through the platform and they usually don't hold any liability in regards to this but it's still a problem because if you get into a social media platform like this and you get scammed you're probably not coming back because of that bad experience right so this would represent a loss of user base, which means less revenue from an advertising standpoint, for example, you won't be able to monetize these users that, that left your platform. So it does have a monetary impact indirectly, but it does have. Another thing that also can happen, which is a bit trickier, is that if someone gets access to content from a specific region and they're targeting a specific individual from which they, they want to gather more information, to do something bad in the real world, let's say, a platform like this could be a good way for a criminal to gather information about an individual they want to target. And if that happens, right, if something like this is discovered by authorities, for example, while they're investigating that criminal and understanding how did they get to that person, for example, this could be a big scandal, right? So it could hurt the reputation of the platform significantly. And if 
that kind of thing hurts the reputation of a platform like this. It could make users feel less secure on sharing their content on the platform, sharing information about their lives, et cetera. So it, it might drop the engagement, the overall engagement on the platform. And again, for these platforms, engagement is key because if they don't have people coming back to their platform, they're not able to show, for example, their ads, they're not able to monetize these users. So there is a direct impact on their revenue. So those would be the two key things that I believe making sure that the people who are able to access a, a local community on a location-based marketplace, for example, is so important, right? You need to ensure the integrity of the platform. If it is location-based or, or location-centric, you want to make sure that the people who access certain pieces of content that are local are at that location. And otherwise, you're not really protecting that subset of users with these location-based capabilities because everybody can get it, even if they're not there. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Trust and Safety Mavericks. Subscribe to our show to be notified about every new episode and follow Incognit and me, Andre Faraz, on LinkedIn and Twitter.